it, it doesn't make sense to know only the topology at a given point in time or at the or at the current time because once there is a failure uh, that likely will also cause more remediation events and that means that the, the landscape changes from moment to moment hey there and welcome to the stackpot this is the podcast where we talk about all things related to observability because that's what we do and that's what we're passionate about, but also what it's like to work in a tech company. So if you are interested in that, you are definitely in the right place. So in today's episode, we actually have two guests, Mark Bakker and Lodewijk Bogaerts. They came up with the idea of what is now Stackstate about six years ago. And Anthony has a nice little chat with them about, you know, starting and building a tech startup and now scale up and some other topics that are related to, of course, observability. Enjoy the recording. Welcome. As, as co-founders, right, uh, of the company, you guys should be thinking more existentially than just you know the company right uh in terms of product direction in terms of where we want to go and how we're going to achieve that uh that's what true leaders think about right they're not they're, they're not they're not sitting on their islands uh building a, a fortified fence and i think one of the cool things about working in software is that there are outcomes right it, it's it 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 you know, you either you're building something, you're selling something, or the customer's consuming something, right? I, I think when you work at a, a software startup, there are so many elements in terms of uh, growing, cultivating, and basically owning that entire process from, if we were to put it into a grocery store perspective, right? We're, we're the farmers, we're the sellers, and then we're also sitting at the dinner table with the consumers, right? It's like, like that's that's one of the unique things about working in software, right? The most important part is the last part, sitting on the table uh, during the dinner to see how it's uh, how people react to it, how they like it, and really optimize basically your product to that. And the nice thing about it is that uh, for groceries you need to wait another six or nine months. I don't know the exact timing for that. But uh, now we are very agile, and uh, if we hear that uh, multiple customers want the same thing, thing, we can change it quickly, and in our next release, we have it done. And then we can optimize, optimize, and in the end, uh, uh, get better and uh, get better results for our customers. What would you say, Mark, is the uh, biggest focus from a product perspective as we look to the end of uh, 2021? At this moment, our biggest focus is really uh, to nail down uh, Kubernetes and AWS observability. Make sure that we give all the context to our users and don't only rely on telemetry signals, but really know how everything is connected to each other, what is it changing in your environment, and what is the real root cause of a problem. Because what we see is that most uh, products basically give you information about uh, what is going on, so the problem uh, at hand, but it does they don't show you what has changed and what's the cause of your problem. And that's really where we are focusing on it at this moment. And also uh, our main focus for that is listening to lots of people, getting their inputs, uh, uh, talking to SREs. Uh, uh, yeah, that's basically. We've got several customers that are in the hybrid IT space where we've kind of focused on, you know, on-premise, going to the cloud, observability across you know, different environments being a huge issue. And I think it is still an issue that that needs addressing for the most part, um, but it's a very noisy marketplace, right? That everybody says they do observability these days. How did we get from hybrid IT 
to to cloud native yeah what, uh, what you see in the market is that uh, basically um in the beginning when we started uh, almost five uh, years ago um what you saw was there were products for log uh, aggregation there were products for um uh, storing your metrics uh, there were uh, products to uh, have health uh, uh, monitoring and so on bringing all that data to Together uh, was something that was a real need in the market, and which is basically still a need in the market. Um, but what you see is that the market is changing, and basically due to COVID, the market is also changing uh, more rapidly than it was changing before. So what you was uh, what you saw that was that uh, many companies were already moving to the cloud, but the uh, pace at what that is uh, uh, happening uh, increased tremendously uh, uh, the last, I would say, 12 months. So this is a direction which we were already taking, but we are basically accelerating that uh, direction and uh, putting more focus on it uh, uh, than before. And it's also a sweet spot for our technology. So what we, what is the core of, of StackState or is what is at the core of StackState is um, a time traveling topology, which we build on our own uh, database, version graph database. And that allows us to understand how all the different components are correlated with each other um, in the form of a graph or what we call a topology. Um, but one of the core ideas that we had is, well, these graphs, they, will, they are very important and they've been important you know, for decades. So there are CMDBs uh, and their discovery tools that give you topology even in the in the 90s, this was already uh, happening, probably even before that. Um, but these graphs, they were never really up to date. So the first component of that that we needed to tackle is, well, we need to make it real time um, because they're, you know, especially because we see a lot more change, but also because we see a lot more change, uh, it needs to be time traveling. And it, it doesn't make sense to know only the topology at a given point in time or at the or at the current time because once there is a failure uh, that likely will also cause more remediation events and that means that the, the landscape changes from moment to moment and you want to really make sure that you can rewind and capture all of these moments so you can easily get down to root cause um, and when we started kubernetes wasn't really on our radar i guess it existed as a technology uh, but it became uh, popular more later on. We also went with Mesos for a while. I mean, remember, uh, we went actually quite deep with Mesos, but then Mesos actually um, didn't become the the de facto, de facto standard. And we had only one Mesos customer, but we thought like, okay, this is a really good direction. Um, uh, but then when Kubernetes came around, it's, it's uh, and then the whole cloud native movement that that is such a good fit for our technology that it's a no brainer. So we've been uh, focusing on that for, for a while now. Um, but uh, with, with what, what Mark said with COVID indeed, we were accelerating that. Yeah, I think, um, so, you know, uh, you know, I worked for ServiceNow, right? So, so we would always sell the CMDB um, and, and, and in theory in the old world, when we're living in a virtualized world and um, as opposed to uh, a cloud native containerized world, which we're moving into, um, it, it made sense, right? Do, do IP based discovery just give us everything, run it once a day, 
And then you can assume for the next 24 hours that everything is going to be the same. You'll be able to run change management. You'll be able to correlate, you know, priority one incidents to, you know, where, where they, where they're, where they're coming from. Um, but the theory uh, was not the reality because even customers who bought that, they realized, oh, wait, uh, there are a whole array of people that manage different elements of that infrastructure. And if you want read-only admin credentials, you're not going to get them. So, so, so even customers who bought the product, they were still siloed in the same issue in the, you know, people were basically using spreadsheets to update the CMDB. Uh, and then you were running change control on that. Uh, and so, you know, I only see that getting worse actually, as we move into a more cloud native environment, because, uh, we live in a world of very possessive people and people want to possess uh, their own data. So one of the things I do like about the Kubernetes uh, integration that we have in our agent is that it sits at the cluster level. We don't need the developers to change their processes in order for us to be useful. We don't need a whole... Because I, I, I've been on tons of these DevOps calls with you know people that run these cloud native applications, uh, and their response to the this issue right of CI/CD impact is process coupled with Jenkins, you know, or whatever you're using to operationalize your environment. Um, I, I just don't see that working if you want to innovate effectively right uh you kind of need to break things in order to make things you know and 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 if you're if you're if you're if you're controlled by these processes and these pipelines you're not able to really truly innovate you're you're being held back by somebody's rules that they had back in the day kind of thing um and so i think one of the impacts of our product and the way it's deployed is that it's going to remove a lot of red tape because you know one of the reasons why there is all of that going on is because people are afraid of breaking things right and having outages but if we're able to quickly align you know a change to the impact and go back and just say hey quickly change this redeploy but they, that that's going to save like a ton of red tape why right why have the red tape you know that's the way i'm thinking about it what, what do you guys think well i mean uh, for sure what you're saying is right but i just want to put one nuance there um, or at least not give people the idea that that there is no place anymore for it service management or the cmdb i think all of these ideas were right um only we have to see which which role they play in the modern world and we really shouldn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, every next generation that comes along and says like, you know, you're still using web services with XML and with SOAP and oh, that's so old school, you know, let's let's do REST APIs with, with JSON. And then later on, somebody comes along and says like, hey, what's your schema? And then they say, well, which, which schema are we? Schema, question mark. And so all of these ideas, they, they have a way of, even if you throw them out, 
they have a way of coming back. And so um, Mark and I, we've spent some time um, in the enterprise hybrid IT world, and uh, we're still working with a bunch of customers who are very big users of ServiceNow. And I think it's a great product. And even the CMDB has a still a very good role to play. But I don't think the role of the CMDB is to really keep up with you know every little container that exists at any given point in time. So if there is an outage uh, or there's a, a, a Ceph one outage, you do want to have that in your IT service management system. Um, and you do also want to relate that to something in your CMDB. But if you're going to uh, put it on, you know, let's say, the, the most fine-grained level, which is, let's say, the process ID in the, in the Docker container that is running in the Kubernetes cluster on a certain node, you know, that's, so, that's such volatile data that really doesn't fit with the CMDB. And, and yet, I think it should be registered somewhere such that it is relatable back to that type of information. And Stack State is really made for that type of volatile information. So, you know, we know each process running in each Docker container, running in each uh, node, uh, running in each cluster and so forth. Um, but we also want to make sure that that is relatable back to IT service management because, you know, those processes still uh, are very, very uh, valid and uh, and valuable in today's world. Yeah, that, that brings also back basically so the, the other foundational technology which we have, because one of the parts is indeed StackGraph, where we really made uh, a version graph database, made it skill. Uh, it did the cost us a ton of uh, man hours, I, I could tell. Uh, so I, it's the first uh, database we have ever built, and I think it's the last one. Um, Not too sure about that one. I'm not 100% sure yet, but uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, more databases to come. Uh, keep tuned. No. Um, no, but the other foundational technology which we really have is uh, our eBPF-based agent. We are also uh, the, uh, the core foundation of uh, Linux and uh, Kubernetes really helped us. Because basically Linux changed the way uh, everything was uh, um, containerized. So previously we had VMs running on Linux. Uh, at some moment, uh, Linux really made a change to have um, namespaces for everything. So namespaces for your networking, namespaces for your file systems, and so on. And basically that's what Docker does. Uh, it uh, puts all your processes in certain namespaces. And uh, what we really do is at the kernel level, see how all those processes are connected to each other, how they are communicating with each other, what they are communicating, how fast they are. Um, uh, and when something breaks, really know and understand how that affects other parts of the system. And with that, we can really uh, uh, give you the, uh, the right alerts and uh, send out the right message to the right people. But of course, uh, 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 the change management systems then come into uh, play because that's something we don't do and don't want to do even. Yeah, so at, at one of our customers, for example, we're uh, also integrating uh, ServiceNow uh, so we have the ServiceNow CNDB read into stack state. Then we have also the uh, Kubernetes landscape and a bunch of other uh, foundational technologies that they're using in that company, uh, mapping all that together such that when there is an issue, uh, 
you know exactly where you should be. But at the same time, uh, through our time traveling topology, it becomes very easy to find the change request that uh, that happened in ServiceNow when people actually started working on the change. Um, so you actually see the, the changes in the Kubernetes deployments, but you also see the ServiceNow changes. Uh, because for us, that's all one big connected topology or for stack states, uh, from stack states perspective. It's, it's yeah. just that the one is about uh, the very fine grained detail that uh, some port uh, changed or some communication was started uh, between two processes onto, uh, onto containers, onto hosts. And the other is really about we made a big change and it's related to this application, but we also know about that application and how that interacts with the different uh, services and containers then. Yeah, because because one of the one of the things with the ServiceNow uh, environment is that you know there are so many different modules that different customers have adopted at different levels, right? You may run change management through ServiceNow. Some customers even have their software development lifecycle through ServiceNow, but that's not the biggest use case for ServiceNow. They usually use maybe Jira or something else on the side because it's just more agile uh, and less you know, uh, workflow-based uh, that the ServiceNow is. It's a very rigid platform, but it serves a purpose when it comes to ITSM uh, and even HR issues, right, that need to follow a process. ServiceNow is a great thing for that, and the CMDB doesn't need to. And I, I like I like what you said, Ludwig, in terms of um, you know you don't want to keep track of containers and all this kind of stuff and what was spun up at one point and what was not, because in the Kubernetes environment, it, it, it's there to be orchestrated uh, and to to have that elasticity, if you will. Uh, that means that, you know, when there is demand, resources are available. And when there isn't demand, resources are taken down because in the cloud, that costs a ton of money. Um, but, you know, to have resources up. But, but having said that, where do you think uh, people are going to go in the future for tracking spend when it comes to, I know we personally have uh, have a huge cloud spend, uh, uh, but but where do you think people are gonna go in the future to, especially if they're multi-cloud, right? If they use Azure, AWS and Google, um, the way I see it, right, is that people eventually are gonna keep track of spend across all these different clouds and they're gonna compete with these not compete with the clouds, but make the clouds compete with each other more uh, in terms of, you know, cost per container, cost per whatever, you know, in terms of dollars and cents. Um, where do you think people are going to go to keep track of that type of stuff when we emerge into this new world of services, containers and compute versus storage and all this kind of stuff? I don't know. I have to be honest. Uh, I'm not too opinionated on that on that front. Also, with stack state or squarely in the observability space, if you ask me a question on that, I'll probably have a ready-made answer for you. But in this in this case, I can only philosophize a little bit uh, together with you. Well, that's the point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, just 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 to just to put it up front. Mm. Well, I mean, for sure, what we see is that 
the world's like I think like one of the reasons why cloud native is so uh, popular is because it is um, cloud independent also well at least in theory because in practice of course there are still yeah. all these different couplings and so forth um, but the, but this kind of cloud independence I think is becoming uh, more and more important and we've actually seen a couple of initiatives of big vendors like IBM and Red Hat and um, well there's probably a couple more who are actually working on on uh, multi-cloud management platforms um, that make it kind of abstract away the cloud. Um, I'm not sure whether it's really going to happen that way, but um, I mean, not the way they envision it. Um, for sure, there, there needs to be some type of, of uh, abstraction, but uh, unfortunately, um, as it goes with any, any abstraction that I've seen, at least in IT, is these abstractions are are um, well leaky and um, useful at best and uh, and useless uh, most of the time, um, especially when it comes to something as as complicated as, as the cloud, which has so many different types of components. And if you look at also the different types of services and how to optimize these different services. Um, that requires a lot of in-depth knowledge. So for sure, there are uh, cloud uh, cost platforms, which are also cloud independent, but I don't see any kind of um, super uh, useful abstraction appearing anytime soon. What I would like to see though, like, and that's, that's something that Mark and I have been thinking about pretty much from the beginning, is that the model that we have in Stack State also lends itself super well for different types of states. So when we actually came up with, with, with the name Stack State, we thought about not just the state in terms of, well, this, the type of state that you um, use for observability, so uptime, uh, availability, um, uh, stability issues, uh, performance, etc but also for uh, cost uh, because the the abstraction that we that we have which is the time traveling topology lends itself super well also for tracking costs um, on the other hand you know what I said about leaky abstraction um, cost is a, is, is, a, is a very complicated and very cloud specific uh, type deal because you have to really look at the type of server, and how you're using it and what the pricing model is, et cetera. So for sure, like we we will forever be moving into the direction of, or we'll, we'll keep the abstraction in, in such a way that we can at some point start to, um, well, not pivot, but add a module on top of stack state where we, where we would also do some type of cost analysis. But we're super, super careful uh, not to touch upon that because we we really recognize uh, all the difficulties uh, that exist in that space and uh, and how much effort it it takes um especially when you go multi-cloud and also what i find really important is keeping focus and doing one thing at a time doing it good nailing it and then uh, thinking about the next thing so that, that's the way we uh, uh worked for stack state for a long time and that's really important so cost management is something we don't we will not do in the short term for sure. But if you talk about costs, 
uh, there's one other aspect to that, and uh, I do see that happening, and that's especially related also to the uh, uh, cloud and container world, because basically one of the reasons people uh, choose to run all their applications and services on Kubernetes is uh, uh, that at least they have a way of migrating it easily from one cloud to another cloud. So uh, yeah. I, see, I see two types of customers, basically. We have customers which are really going deep into one of the cloud providers, using all their services and go full in, basically. And there's also no way out then because uh, yeah, you use very specific services. So getting to another cloud will basically almost be impossible. But I also see quite some uh, uh, companies that really focus on, let's use a foundational layer which is everywhere available and then uh, build on top of that. And Kubernetes is really one of those foundational layers. Yeah, and then what you see also with, um, you know, software architecture, um, it's super important that you keep track of all your non-functionals, uh, Anthony. At some point, you mentioned all the different aspects that go into building a, you know, a tech company. Um, and if you just take one step back and just look at the software engineering part, you always have to keep track of a, a bunch of non-functionals. And the way, well, I remember being a software architect 10 years ago, cost wasn't really one of those aspects. You looked at security, you looked at like high availability, you tried to prevent bottlenecks, uh, you thought about, um, you know, test coverage and quality assurance and, and all those kinds of things. But cost really wasn't uh, on the horizon. Nowadays, like cost is a big driver for how you architect your applications. And so indeed, like having that multi-cloud uh, possibility um, is, is super important. Um, and another aspect of that is also what we see with serverless. Um, that, that cost model is super uh, relevant. Uh, even my, my dad actually is also uh, a software developer and he actually develops a uh, app for um, building, uh, uh, for actually uh, doing bridge tournaments because he's, he really uh, likes to play bridge. And he's now also considering uh, re-architecting the backend of his app for uh, serverless because it's such an attractive model because these tournaments, they happen very sporadically. When they happen, there are a few requests. And in the meantime, you know, you don't want to pay for anything. So, but then exactly. of course... But, but then, of course, the the you know he talked. We talked about that uh, at the coffee table uh, last week. Um, but I told him, yeah, you know, of course, the 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 idea is that it's cheap. But then, it's, if your app explodes and you're you're doing you're you're anyway you're serving customers twenty four hours a day, uh, then at some point it becomes expensive, and that's that's exactly the cost model that cloud providers uh, also kind of hope that you fall into because that's going to um, provide them a lot of money. Um, so what we see there is like, uh, for example, um, uh, open fast, like functions as a service on top of Kubernetes uh, would then be another logical progression. So even everything that's happening in cloud is also happening in the cloud native landscape. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's very interesting uh, to see that that cost has become such an important driver uh, for modern app development. Cool. Well, well, we we've 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 run out of time. 
is there anything you guys want to kind of end out with given given our audience uh it may be uh, at first exibia and stack state people as well as some prospects and clients i've got um i've got a bunch of clients that 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 are going to do these kind of interviews anything you want to kind of say at this point in time and and then we can wrap up yeah i really liked um how the conversation went i listened to a lot of podcasts myself actually yeah i typically fall asleep with podcasts as well as i consider it's a nice method for me to fall asleep with but um what i do like is these these podcasts where they kind of they take a few topics and they uh tangentially uh meander through uh through a bunch of uh different topics that are that are related uh, and I, I really felt that that was exactly what happened so I think this would be an interesting podcast for myself to listen to. And so job well done. Good. Good. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, it was a very nice uh, interview, I will say, and a nice uh, nice podcast. Um, and uh, if there's only one thing I would uh, say to people, always uh, 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 listen very well to the problems you see. Uh, if you think you have a nice solution for that problem, uh, discuss it with more people if they also find it a very nice, a nice solution and then follow your dreams and try to extend it. Nice, nice. Nice. Well, again, thank you guys for taking the time. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekends. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like more information about StackState, you can visit stackstate.com. That's S-T-A-C-K-S-T-A-T-E.com. And you can also find a written transcript of this episode on our website. So if you prefer to read through what they've said, definitely head over there. And also make sure to subscribe if you'd like to receive a notification whenever we launch a new episode. So until next time.